Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we are one week away from the NFL Scouting Combine as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 93. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with former NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz to talk about the Eagles up front in the trenches, offensive line play in general, and Doug Peterson's blocking schemes up front from a player that spent time in his system in Kansas City. You do not want to miss that. Then we will wrap this show up with our scouting report. I went on Twitter earlier today to find out who you all wanted to hear my notes on as we get closer and closer to the combine. And you guys suggested a prospect that I've gotten a ton of questions and seen a lot written about in recent weeks. So before we get into all that, let's not waste any time. Jeff Schwartz and I talk about everything that goes into the offensive line position, what gives college prospects the most trouble transitioning to the NFL, and his overall thoughts on the Eagles' offensive line. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. It is my pleasure to welcome in to Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz. He's been in the league now uh, for just about 11 seasons, I think, now, Jeff. He's the host of the Block Em Up podcast, author of the book Eat My Shorts with, the, the, with his brother Mitchell Schwartz. Jeff, welcome to the show. Appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. So, Jeff, let me ask you first just about uh, the guys up front on the Eagles offensive line right now. Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, uh, Lane Johnson. What's your overall impression of this group as a whole here in Philadelphia under Doug Peterson? Well, they're a good group. Talented. And you know, losing Lane Johnson this year for a big period of time was uh, pretty detrimental. I mean, you could tell how much he meant to that offensive line. And Peters, obviously, and, you know, they, they paid Lane Johnson a couple years ago to play left tackle. Uh, but Peters has played so well that they haven't had to make that move yet. So, uh, they do a good job, and the system is set up to uh, help the offensive line. Jeff, let me ask you about the scheme in general, because one of the big things we've noticed with Doug Peterson, he did it in Kansas City, and then we're seeing it here in Philadelphia as well, where there's such a wide variety of, of run concepts. You know, you have all the, the different iterations of inside zone, outside zone, all the gap schemes with power and counter. We see trap. We see a lot of the misdirection elements of the run game. When you're an offensive lineman and you have all those different schemes at your disposal as a play caller, what does that mean? What are the pros and cons, I guess, of having those wide variety of schemes in the playbook? Well, I think it's great to keep the defense guessing. Uh, you know, you, you want to not have too many plays to where you don't know your assignment, your technique. And I played in this offense in Kansas City. I was there with, when Doug was there with um, Coach Reed's first year in, uh, in Kansas City. So I know what uh, run plays they have. It's, it's extensive, but I think it's important to vary them up. And it's also good to have a lot of plays in, um, not so you can run all of them every week, but you can mix it up. Uh, you know, if you feel like, this week, this you know, X one play will work, and, and versus Y, then you put that in. And so it's nice to have sometimes a list of uh, extensive plays. Yeah, I, I always find it interesting too because when you compare that to a team like say Dallas or uh, another team that maybe the, the the run scheme isn't as varied 
but you rep the same plays over and over and over, and it just comes down to execution. I guess there is pros and cons to doing it both ways, but I like your point that it really helps to kind of keep defenses guessing. I had Brian Westbrook on last week, and he mentioned the same idea that really it just kind of helps in terms of game planning. You're ready. You can have all those different options available on any given week from game plan to game plan. Yeah, it's important to keep defenses guessing. I mean, you want to not be predictable. You want to present them with different – you know, you can run the same inside zone play, but you do it from different formation with a different motion or a shift, and, and you keep defenses guessing. Jeff, one of the big questions that I think fans always have about offensive line play, and, and there's all these questions now about uh, the, the, the moving around of pieces in the offensive line every offseason. Oh, well, you know, can Jason Peters play tackle or can he play guard instead of tackle? Can Lane Johnson move from right tackle to left tackle? What's the hardest part for an offensive line when you're talking about changing positions? Is it more moving from the right side to the left side, or is it the change in technique from going to, say, tackle to guard? What is a harder transition for guys typically to make? Uh, it's probably left to right. I mean, like, to me, and I'm, if you follow me on Twitter uh, or you, you listen to what I say um, often, I don't like this idea of just moving a guy to a new position. It's just going to work out well. Like, oh, just move him there. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, obviously when you move side to side, you have to change uh, the hand you punch with. Uh, you have to change just looking at the defense backwards and what you're used to doing. Uh, you know, for me, I was never really good on the left side. I was very good on the right and just subpar on the left. I just I didn't like it. It wasn't comfortable to me. Um, and this idea, too, of where you can just move a guy who's struggling at tackle, just put him in guard. And Jason Peters is not used an example. He's not struggling. But, you know, this idea, well, just move him in guard and he'll be just as good. It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, the positions are nuanced, and if you have a good left tackle or a good guard, you leave them there. You find someone else to, put, to fill other positions. Yeah, it's, and it's especially this time of year, you know, you get to the NFL draft and player acquisition and fans, all, it's so easy. And analysts, even too, in the media will say, oh, well, you know, this guy's a college tackle, but in the NFL, he's got to move to guard. And, and you kind of forget, well, that, that's a bit of a projection. You saw that last year with like a guy like Cody Whitehair in Buffalo or in uh, Chicago where, you know, he was a second round pick. He was a left tackle at Kansas State. He played center for most of the year. I think he moved to center at late, later parts of training camp, played very, very well, but it's very, very hard to kind of make that transition, and it's a projection every time. So I'm glad you made that point. Uh, the next question I have for you is what, what is one part of offensive line play? And whenever I have a player or a former player on, I like to ask this question for the fans and for the listeners, is what's one part of offensive line play? And I suspect with this position it's probably more than any other that maybe fans don't think about as much, that's really, really important. You know, that really it comes down that linemen have to deal with game in and game out that fans don't necessarily think about when they're watching the game on Sundays. Um, I think just, um, you know, everyone, everyone thinks, rightfully so, that, you know, offensive linemen are, are smart, which we are, but it just goes beyond that, I think. I think just knowing um, there's a little bit of skill in knowing what you do well and what you don't. Um, and obviously, you can't earn your game to what is most important to you and how you, you function best. So I think to, you know, that, that every player does that in their own way. There's not a uniform way to play offensive line. I mean, there's a uniform way to, to block guys, but sometimes it's just, it just you just have to do your job and you have to find a way to do it. So I think that's the unique part about playing offensive line. 
Jeff, you've been in the league for a long time now. When you look around at some of the young players that are coming up and making that transition from college to the NFL, and when you see those rookies come through, what is the hardest thing for those young players making that jump from college to the NFL? What is typically the, the, the one hill that is the hardest for them to climb? Um, well, I mean, in the simplest way, a lot of, a lot of offensive linemen play in two-point stances in college and then have to play in three-point stances in the NFL. I mean, that's tough in itself. But I think just knowing how to prepare every week is the hardest transition. Um, you have to get in a routine. You have to know when to watch film, what to watch with the film, um, you know, when you lift weights, when you recover, these type of, these type of things. It, take, it takes a while. It takes, and that's what I think is toughest for young guys, is getting in a routine of, um, you know, the ins and outs of the NFL. All right, Jeff, so let's get into some specific run plays. And you just actually just started a, a, a web series where you're posting on your Twitter account, at Jeff Schwartz on Twitter. Make sure you go and give him a follow. I have now for the last couple of years, and he's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter because he dives into those X's and O's. And Jeff, Jeff, you started a web series recently where you really dive deep into the specific mechanics of a particular run play, you know, and, and whether uh, you know, it's power and what all the different responsibilities are, inside zone, what all the different responsibilities are across the board. Tell us the thinking behind that, and then also what has been your favorite one that you've been able to do, or is there one that you're really excited to kind of get into the specifics of a, of a particular play for the fans? Um, well, I just started with inside zone, which is the simplest kind of inside zone you can have, uh, excuse me, simplest play you can have, really. Um, I, the thing about it is that I know how attention spans are now. So I know I have to make the videos short. I could spend an hour teaching a, a play, and I think I would love watching it, uh, but I don't think that's what the audience would want to watch. So um, I don't know if I have a favorite idea quite yet. I've written out a couple things to, to write about, but I think what will be most fun for me is, is trying to explain the ins and outs of play, like, like the adjustments of plays. Like I, it's easy. You can sort of, if you know something about football, you know, you can, it, the stuff I'll teach will be good, but you know, I really love teaching the adjustments. So I think when I get to some of those videos where I teach adjustments of plays, that's what I'll enjoy the most. That's the part where I think, you know, a lot of fans, and you, you'll see, and I'm sure you encounter them on, on Twitter, the, there are some fans that, you know, they played offensive line, maybe they played it in high school, maybe they played it in college, and so they have that short base of knowledge, but outside of that, I think a lot of fans don't know that much about really the, the specifics of the position because it's kind of hard for them to fathom. You know, you see uh, there's, there's, it's hard to really focus in on the specific technique aspects when you look at it overall, and there's so much that goes into technique for an offensive lineman, you got pad level and hand placement, uh, and, you know, what you're doing with your feet, your footwork. You know, being around NFL teams, you see the, them drill footwork over and over and over. It's constant reps. What to you is the most important aspect, I guess, of, te of a successful uh, techni technician at the offensive line position? Hmm. I think... Well, I know. I think it's just, I mentioned this a little earlier. I, I believe it's just staying within yourself um, is individually. Now, as an offensive line, I think, you know, communication is important. Um, you know, physicality, obviously. I mean, those are kind of simple stuff. I think just, at the, at, at, just as, as individually, it's about 
knowing what you're good at and executing that. Like, not trying to do too much. I remember when I was young, uh, I had a coach who just said, you know, Schwartz, you don't move terribly well, so just don't move very much. Like, just do your job, but don't exert, uh, you know, just don't do too, too much. And that's what, like, the best advice I ever got. And ever since then, I just didn't do very much, and I blocked my guy. You know, I didn't try to do more than I was capable of doing. And I think that's important for young guys. They try to um, just do too much. You don't have to. Just block your guy. Well, Jeff, I appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I know you can keep going now for another half hour. I don't want to keep it too long, but appreciate the time here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, take care. Great stuff again from Jeff, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Jeff Schwartz, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that gets produced here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support the show, but the other is to go on iTunes or Stitcher, give us a rating, leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Armando GZ, who commented on our Stitcher page and left a great comment. So thanks to Armando and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, before we get into scouting report, like I mentioned earlier, we are one week away from the scouting combine. So next week, there will not be an Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. You can keep an eye out for the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself and Chris McPherson will be there in attendance in Indianapolis throughout the course of the week. So I will be there from Monday all the way up through Monday next week, really just getting in and taking in all the drills, but also all of the interviews with players. So get a, get a chance to kind of talk to some of these guys, meet them individually, and, and get a chance to talk to them away from the field. So that'll be really interesting. And then also, obviously, very excited to see how some of these guys measure out, how they test athletically. There's a lot that can be taken away from the scouting combine. So really excited for that event to start next week. But that, keep that in mind. Programming note, no Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast the week of the scouting combine. All right. Let's keep the show going. I told you earlier that I would get to my notes on a really intriguing prospect of your choosing. Let's get to that player now in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so I put it out on Twitter early on Tuesday morning asking, who did you guys want to hear about? Last week, we really hit on wide receiver Carlos Henderson, the receiver from Louisiana Tech, a player I expect to run really, really well at next week's Combine. And this is another player that I think will do the same, and that's Alabama's Ardarius Stewart. This was suggested by at NFL Draft Talker on Twitter. Stewart is, is a guy that's getting a lot of headlines now. I know my friend Josh Norris from NBC Sports is really big into his game, and you've seen Ben Natan from Bleeding Green Nation. Others have written about him recently. So I felt the need to talk about Ardarius Stewart, 6'2", 204 pounds, first-team All-SEC this past season as a junior, came into Alabama as a four-star athlete. So Coaches and evaluators, analysts that cover college football recruiting weren't sure. Will he be a receiver? Could he be a running back? Could he be in a corner? A lot of people were really wondering what Stewart would turn out to be. Well, he turned into a two-year starter for Lane Kiffin in that spread offense. Explosive athlete for the position. He's got the speed to attack defenses vertically and make plays down the field. He does a solid job tracking the deep ball. I, I watch two games, and I'm excited to watch more because you see those flashes of, him, of his ability to track the deep ball. He understands when he's hot, and he makes himself avail available for the quarterback. What do I mean by that? So if he reads that the corner or a safety, and someone on his side of the field is blitzing, he will quickly cut off his route and make himself available for the quarterback. 
was used often on screens and jets to get the ball in his hands quickly, and that's really where he brings the most value. Physical after the catch, he's able to run through arm tackles, he's got good vision in the open field, he can make people miss with the ball in his hands, and he could take it to the dis take it the distance anytime he touches the football. He turns on those afterburners and he pulls away from defenders in space. So I love that. His yards after catch is really one of the most valuable traits in his skill set. Aggressive blocker, got defenders on the ground as a crack player. Really, honestly, I was really taken aback by how good of a blocker he was. Very effective cut blocker. I mentioned that he was really good as a crack player, so you imagine those receivers coming from the perimeter, coming in towards the formation of blocking a linebacker or a safety, even a defensive end close to the quarterback. He was really good in that kind of a role. And I was really impressed overall, just as a stock blocker, everything that went into blocking, I was very, very impressed with our Darius Stewart. And I will get into why that's important for his skill set moving forward. But real quick, the negatives, he flashes the use of a hand swipe and a swim move at the line of scrimmage first press coverage, which was really good. He showed that he was that he was able to use his hands early, and he absolutely has the foot quickness to beat press coverage to the next level. So he's got the potential to be very, very good there. But there were some times where he will open up his speed release too wide, go towards the sideline. And when you do that, that's just as bad as getting disrupted and getting held up at the line of scrimmage. You're throwing off the timing with the quarterback, and you may be removed from the, pro from the progression. So he's got to tighten up those releases just a little bit. That's a tiny thing that he can work on. He will false step on his releases against off coverage. So again, just more detailed there with his releases. He's not an overly polished route runner right now. Will really benefit from improving his technique at the top of his stem. He gets into his breaks a little too high sometimes. There might be a little bit of stiffness there. He's a little clunky at the top of the route, and he doesn't always fly out of his break like you would expect for a guy with his athletic uh, skill set. And he will round off some of those vertical routes. So. There are some things I definitely want to see him clean up from a technique respect, from a route running and release off the line of scrimmage standpoint. But ultimately, when I see our Darius Stewart, I think he's the ideal third or fourth receiver for a team. You know, he's got that speed. He's a good kick returner, so he's got value there on special teams. I think he could be a gunner as well. He's got the, that ability as a blocker, which is so, so big for a player in that role. You know, when you talk about, oh, well, you know, you don't need receivers to block, well, when it's August and it's time to narrow your, your roster down from 90 to 53, you need guys that can wear a lot of hats. And if you're a third or fourth or fifth receiver, you need to be able to make an impact on special teams, which he can do. And you also want those guys to be able to block, and he can do that. I think that Stewart can line up in the slot and be a factor in the open field, both vertically and then also in the quick game because of his yards, yards after catchability. I like him as a blocker. He's got some warts to his game that he will need to fix, but I think he's got the mindset to stick in this, in this league for at least a handful of years in that role. So that's how I feel about our Darius Stewart. Really great stuff again this week from Jeff Schwartz and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, if you get the time, Rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there too because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. If you have ideas about who you want to hear for next week's scouting report, that is a great way to do that. So I will absolutely take requests from all of you out there. So wherever you listen, just shoot us a comment wherever you listen to the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.